Paul, how come Professor McDougal couldn't recite her lessons by heart? Shouldn't she have done this class like a million times? I... Uh, it seemed more character-defining for her to need her notes. Well, the point of structure like that is to be resilient. I know, Elvis. I guess I was also thinking about how in Hogwarts they keep shuffling the teachers around because the dark arts teacher always dies. That doesn't happen here at Derp Toads, but I, I didn't slow down to pull that apart. See, Paul, this is why you need to take your prep time seriously. You should have known we'd ask these questions. Mason, I never have any idea what questions you're going to ask. I'm making 90% of this up as I go. My session notes are a paragraph long. If anything, that's too many, Paul. Every bullet point on your list is a potential point for your plans to fail. Well, it's working so far, Lowry. Partly because I don't have very many plans, and partly because you're being herded to your next class before the bell. We could play hooky. No, you're the tattletale kids, remember? You have to tell the teachers if you break the rules. Ah, dang it. That's insidious, Paul. I've got you trapped within the character concept. Well, on we march. To our next thing. I think it's Professor Fickletick. Man, I want to see Skippy Bottom. Why do they hold the best class for last? By the time we get there, I'm going to be all sleepy and tired. Seems like classes start in the afternoon. I want to say from like 1 to 5 p.m. Honestly, it's shorter than a school day in most countries. There's very little practical stuff to learn about magic. Just memorize words on a flashcard, and then there's maybe potions. But that might only be memorizing a list of ingredients. Speaking of potions, the next class is indeed with Professor Fickletick, who's in charge of botany and potions. You'll grow your own ingredients, then mix them together afterward. See? Magical gardening. This is where it all comes together. We all learn this, some of us go on to battle the Dark Lord, and the rest of us magically grow potatoes forever. Not me! I got money! And slaves! That just means you become the Dark Lord. And whether you get the title officially falls to whether or not you murder someone in public view. Nah, Dark Lords sometimes come from poverty. Oh sure, you can pull yourself up by the bootstraps and become the scourge of the universe just through serial murder and racism. But let's be honest, it helps to have friends in high places and income to pay your armies. We can't all just be evil minions as a hobby, Paul. Some of us have jobs, or go to school. Yeah, logically anyone who tried to rule by fear alone would just be murdered by his inner circle eventually. Most evil dictators rise to the top by exploiting holes in the system. Then the whole system winds up backing them. Paul, was Lord Huglack rich or in politics? Uh, yes. And he did all the stuff you guys just said on top of all the lawless killings. Oh, well, then it sounds like our wizard society is probably on the verge of collapse anyway. It's probably not good the Dark Lord was a magical senator, or whatever. I don't know if we even get to vote. But I'm mad enough to be radicalized about this whole thing, and I'm going to join a militia group that wants to stop it. But a radical militia group for good guys. Yes, that's a later book, though. Uh, anyway, you arrive at Professor Fickletick's classroom, which is actually outside in a huge, beautiful greenhouse stuffed with exotic plants and flowers. The greenery is taken over both the inside and the outside. When a pigeon is dumb enough to land on the roof, some form of greenery grabs it. Life is so beautiful. You know, catfish in the city rivers will do that same thing. A pigeon's life is simple, yet terrifying. There's also a tree planted nearby. They call it a child-killing tree. If you walk anywhere close to it, it'll swing its mighty branches down and crush you to a paste. No one knows why the tree does this or what it has to gain, but being that they're magical and bloom with gorgeous flowers in the spring, they really bring up the property value, so the school has planted several child-killers around the grounds. There's no fences keeping you away, so you're expected to recognize them when you see them. Oh, my aunt has a garden full of these. We haven't seen her in two years, and we're pretty sure she's dead. The tree occasionally flicks its branches, swatting bugs. A pigeon lands on it, and it detonates as the wooden appendages collide. Wait, if it kills everything that gets close to it, how does it pollinate? Nobody knows. No one can get close enough to find out. No, that's stupid. 
I refuse to accept that. We all have this magical power at our disposal, and we can't find out where babies come from. Mason, does your mind power work on plants? No, you have to specify what types of minds these powers work on. And I chose people, for obvious reasons. Darn it. You win this round, child-killing tree, but this isn't over. I'm gonna find out how you do sex with other trees. Man has a right to know. Anyway, let's go to class. You head inside and find the smiling, diminutive figure of Fickletick sitting expectantly behind his desk. Your own desks are occupying a tile section of the floor, but you're being crowded by garden tools. Come in, come in. Have a seat. We're just waiting for the other children, he says. The other kids arrive and fill out their seats. The bells ring to signal class has begun, but Fickletick stays seated. We'll just give it five minutes for any stragglers. Don't want anyone to miss out, you know? Five minutes tick away in awkward silence. Fickletick seems quite pleased the entire time. Finally, he gets up and he says, Well, I suppose that is everyone. Let's get started. I'm going to teach you all about the wonderful worlds of plants and potions, and we're going to start by growing our own ingredients. First, you'll need a flower pot. He grabs one flower pot, picks it up, and hands it to Mason. There you are. Now go ahead and pass that to the back of the class. Okay, I do so. He watches the pot go all the way back, then goes and fetches a new one and hands it to you again. Okay, I guess that one goes back too. And on it goes, slowly but surely until everyone has a flower pot. There we are. Now does everyone have a pot? You'll need it for the next step. I raise my hand. Yes, Elvis Moneybottom. I need a pot. I see you have one there on your desk. Oh, uh, no, this one's not very good. I don't like the color. Well, I'm afraid they're all standard brown flower pots. Yeah, but this one's faded. Can I get a newer one? I suppose I don't see why not. He hands you a slightly newer looking pot. Oh, wait. Actually, though, I guess the old pot has more experience, so it'll grow plants better. Can I have that one back? Certainly. You do need to make sure you have the best pot. Best pot, best plants, best ingredients. Although... Elvis, just take a pot. Okay, fine. I take a pot. Grand. Wonderful. And now, I've got something special. A bag full of soil. Everyone form a line and we'll get you soil. Everybody forms a line and Fickletick scoops little spades full of soil into everyone's pot, one at a time. Until finally, everyone has soil. Then he pulls out a bag of seeds. Now for the most important part, your seeds. Now this is actually just a common lavender seed. We won't begin with anything fancy, of course. You have to crawl before you can walk. But did you know, lavender deters garden pests? That's right. Now, I'll go around and give everyone a seed, which you should plant about a fingernail's depth into the soil. He traverses the room, handing out seeds, which everyone plants. Now, did everyone get a seed? I raise my hand. Elvis, did you not get a seed? I did, but I noticed the seed wasn't lavender, sir. Not lavender? Well, what kind of seed did you get? I mean, it's the wrong color, sir. This is more like a black. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, you're a very funny one, Elvis. <laughs> oh, uh, the lavender seed isn't lavender. Ah, uh, to think. What a funny world we live in. Oh, my. Now, that's real observational comedy right there. Would you like to hear something funny I thought of? All the other students are practically squirming in their seats from the sheer boredom right now. Tell us, sir. Is it that you can't drink through a strawberry? Can't drink through... <laughs> a strawberry! You can't drink through it! Oh, oh, oh my. Oh, we have quite the joke teller in class today, everyone. Oh. Oh, you may have been thinking of that one for ages, Mr. Elvis. What's your joke, sir? Ah, yes. Why do they call it a sunflower? If it doesn't provide heat. 
am I? I the joyous ignorance of it. I, it's because it's brightly colored. Can you imagine, though? Now, where was I? Oh, oh yes, we just planted our seeds. Now, normally, we'd want to wait for the next month or so, but uh, school curriculum being what it is, we sadly have to expedite the process. To do so, simply hold your ones and repeat after me. Fiddle-dee-dee! Fiddle-dee-dee-dee! Wonderful job! Now the seed should sprout within about 24 hours. So, now, until the end of class, I'd like everyone to sit quietly and supervise their lavender. I raise my hand. Yes, Elvis. Can I go to the restroom? Of course. But when we're watching the plants, I prefer those kinds of requests be submitted via paperwork. He hands you some forms. Just fill this out and explain why you need to abandon the dear young life in your charge. And once you're ready, you can go. Ah, oh, dang it. I just want to go for a walk. I don't know. Maybe I was going to smoke cigarettes with the ghoul in the bathroom. Not because I want to smoke, but just because I feel like it would add a lot of personality to the bathroom ghoul if he wore a leather jacket and smoked cigarettes. Honestly, that sounds awesome. We ought to go back in there with a live goat later on and work on that ghoul's image. The too cool for school ghoul. I bet we can rack up a ton of school points for that. Tumble dry would love it. Uh, but okay, I fill out the paperwork. All right, by the time you finish, the bell rings. Ah, oh, man. Well, I'll save this for next time. Sorry, but the paperwork can't be backdated. You'll have to start over from scratch next time. Frag. We need to buy a pompadour wig and a switchblade comb. We could put in a jukebox. The man-eating ghoul bathroom is gonna be the place to be. Downright hopping. Forget about the gateway to infinite consequences. Who needs a ring of power? We're gonna have our own forbidden room. With beer and music and malt milkshakes. But first we have to go to Skippy Bottom's class. Oh uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. On we go, Paul. No distractions. On you go. Skippy Bottom's classroom is physically in the deepest parts of the school. You have to travel down to the basement where they normally keep all kinds of truly unspeakable things. Along the way, you pass numerous warded doorways, inside of which you hear terrible groaning and scratching sounds. Rumors that not even Tumbledry has fun with whatever's down here, and that he doesn't speak about it. It smells of mildew with a slight metallic tinge of blood. Eventually, you arrive at an elevated platform, and once all the students convene on it, it begins to descend. The trip seems to stretch on indefinitely. The walls are composed of oddly smooth stone. Finally, it comes to a stop in a short, nondescript hallway, at the end of which is an unremarkable wooden door. You proceed through it and find yourselves in a somewhat homey classroom with modest but tasteful wooden desks and furniture. It reminds you a bit of an office. It has that certain air of dignity. The dreadlitch Skippy Bottom warps into existence at the front of the class. It's as though light simply bends around the space, and without a sound, there he is. He may have always been there. You have no idea what kind of spell this is. He says, Let us begin. Take your seats. In the future, I will expect you to make yourselves seated before I begin speaking. I will not take questions during lecture. When I am ready for questions, I will make you be aware. I raise my hand. He pauses for only just a second, then waves his hand. Detention. Fifteen minutes of eternity. Elvis, you find yourself frozen in place. Frozen in a powerful magic field. Your senses stretch out on for eons. Minutes become hours, then days, then weeks. As years pass from your perspective, you begin to realize the exact absurd nature of eternity. It's infinity. It goes on forever. And though you aren't exactly suffering, the absolute gravity of time still weighs on you. If a bird flew from one end of the universe to the other, and each time pecked at a mountain on one end just one time, once that mountain is ground down into dust, your detention still hasn't ended. 
You have never before felt so small or so finite. Oh, God. Skippy Bottom is God. I am being punished by God. To everyone else, Elvis is just frozen in place with a stupid look on his face and a bunch of distracting runes floating around his head. I have lived for quite some time, and in all my experience, my patience has grown rather long. However, the volume of that patience has remained the same, and it is therefore stretched quite thin. I do not like to repeat myself without reasonable justification. The magic I teach you shall require attention and discipline. You shall receive more personalized instruction as you practice on your own. To begin, I feel it is worth iteration that mountain trolls live nearby and sometimes come down from the mountains in the winter months when food has grown scarce. They will lie in wait and ambush children who find themselves out after curfew. So before that time arrives, I will teach you a practical means of addressing the situation that you will find widely applicable to the threats of concern. Providing himself for demonstration is our very own Elvis. A simple warding seal can be an incredibly powerful method of dealing with any opponent who might otherwise overwhelm you. They prevent most threats from moving or uttering magic, rendering them forced to rely only on their ability to tap deep within themselves to escape. Unlike the method of trading blows or disarming weapons, wardings can be summoned in a large or small radius, making them applicable to one or multiple foes and may be used to capture a foe who is more nimble than yourself. Of course, I've also prepared a separate example for the next step of self-defense. He waves a hand and a large troll appears trapped in a seal at the head of the classroom. For the sake of demonstration, I've gone out of my way to capture a troll myself. Now the length of time at which a seal may stay operational depends on its strength. Foes with weak minds may therefore be trapped almost indefinitely. Trolls, who fit into the category of weak minds, should be quite safe once you hold them, and you may then seek out a teacher or more experienced student to fortify your wardings and do the rest. But in the event that you must dispose of your foe yourself, the simplest is a transportation spell which will move that enemy somewhere far away or fatal. In this case, he waves a hand and a portal to the ocean appears. We dispose of this threat by depositing him in the Pacific Ocean. He'll remain there undisturbed until he breaks the seal, at which point he will drown or be crushed by the sheer weight of the waters. Once you develop significant powers, you may one day be able to send your opponents even further, such as space or perhaps the surface of the sun. The important thing is, they are no longer of your concern. And Skippy Bottom releases the troll into the ocean. Now I will take questions. Cautiously raise my hand. Mason Nostalgia Bottom. Sir, uh, what if you seal away something dangerous, but then somebody unburies it or pulls it out of the ocean, you know? A reasonable question. Over a lengthy imprisonment, most minds give up, go mad, and few enemies have allies capable of traversing the Mariana Trench. But I will confess that in my younger years, I have sealed away things beneath the earth or in the ocean which may retain their faculties and remember their grudges, should they ever awake. But I was strong enough to seal them away then, and I've only grown in power since. You see, it gave me time that they haven't. Furthermore, their slumber has not slipped my mind. In my case, I'm rather curious to see what they'd say once they see how things have developed. But if you are especially worried, the time your warding will buy you may give you time to double back and clean up after your messes if you feel the caution is warranted. Any further questions? I want to say something dumb, but if Elvis is just the warning shot, I am afraid what happens next. Everyone else is thinking the same thing. So Skippy Bottom goes on to explain the basics of warding and transportation spells. It's technically complicated, but sort of easy to execute. Like if you trained yourself enough, you could do it on autopilot. 
which you figure is kind of the point. Nobody masters anything on the first day, but Skippy Bottom goes around personally critiquing everyone's form. Elvis, you snap out of your eternity punishment after being trapped for 15 minutes, and the whole thing feels like a strange, distant dream now. I have lived a million lifetimes. Guys, I have seen the face of God and he is a skeleton! You know, the devil was an agent of God. There's probably some overlap in the sheer enormity of terror that he could bring into your life. I don't know. I had all the time in the world to think, but no answers. I just know he's a higher power, and I need to become like him. Sadistic and scary? No! A powerful skeleton! You already are a skeleton. Just with meat and guts and stuff. I need to shed all that. That's just- that's just holding me back. This can't be my form anymore. I must become skeleton. I thought I knew what wealth was before, but now there's a, there's a limit to my money. A billion gold coins? A trillion? It's nothing! Just a speck! What Skippy Bottom has, that's- that's in- that's the only substantial thing in the world! It's the only thing that's real! Okay, Elvis. I think being trapped for all eternity for 15 minutes has made you just a little loopy. I'm still trapped in that seal, Mason! I never got out! I don't even know how I'm talking to you! It's endless! It never ended! It, it, time starts and it ends in Japan and it travels in a loop! And soon, almost like an eye blink, I'm gonna be trapped in that seal again! It's my place forever! It's where I always am! Skippy Bottom's power is my only way out of there! What if Skippy Bottom just made you think you were trapped for all eternity? What? No, no, you don't understand. I was really there. That implies that Skippy Bottom has infinite power. But you know how Mason can trap you in your happiest memory? Well, what if Skippy Bottom just creates a memory of eternity, you know, like a feeling of it, and he puts that in your head? But, that, that, he, he can't, but Larry, it felt so real. Yeah, that's how that magic works. Oh. You're probably not really trapped in there. It's just that your brain's broken forever. Oh. Yeah. Well, Skippy Bottom is still pretty darn cool. That is still a pretty cool trick. Either way, real time is passing now, and class is over before you know it, without any further intermittent shenanigans. It's the fear, really. On the way back up the elevator, those kids that you met earlier, Robert, Donald, and Zell Fairplus, are talking to each other. Donald says, That Skippy Bottom is even scarier up close. I sure wouldn't want to get on his bad side. Zell Fairplus replies, Of course, he's one of the most dangerous Dark Lords ever to live. It's only a shame that he retired, but it's for the best. Donald says, what do you mean it's a shame? She says, Well, it's just a waste of potential, that's all. There's still so much that he could teach us. He's literally a teacher. Excuse me, nobody asked you, and I meant in terms of governing people. Maybe he finds that kind of thing tedious? No, Lowry. Zelferpolis is right. We should build a statue of Skippy Bottom and worship it, but somewhere where it won't bother him. I can write a book about what I think he'd want us to do, and then if he doesn't smite us, it means that I got it right. Or it means he doesn't care. Elvis? Even his indifference would be a form of divine inspiration! Robert says, I still don't think he's that tough. What's he gonna do? Kill me? Been there, done that. I'll come right back and testify against him too. I'm not afraid. We just had an entire class about what he'd do. And I think if Skippy Bottom cared, he'd do a lot worse than what that Huglack guy is capable of. Zelferpolis says, I don't know about that. And besides, Mason, would you please stop saying the Dark Lord's name out loud? He finds it very annoying. I'm sure he's got better things to do than worry about punishing some 12-year-old for being uppity. Like, for example, torturing Robert here. He surely does. But he's far more present than you're giving him credit for, and if you're not careful, you're going to wind up on a very dangerous list. 
He's killed people less important than you with fewer casual thoughts about it. Jeez, why do you care so much about Lord Huglag? What is he, your boyfriend or something? He is not my boyfriend. He's a powerful Dark Lord who deserves to be respected, and you should stop using his name before the consequences rightfully land. Fine. I didn't realize you were so uppity about the natural order. Well, it's important to remember our places in wizard society. And beneath the Dark Lord is where most of us fall. She probably does have sexy posters of him. I'm not talking to you anymore. You don't have to be embarrassed. I have the summer swimsuit poster up in my room. Sometimes when I need motivation to do exercise, I just look at it and I think, body goals. Oh, you have the Sins in the Sand shoot? Yeah, I really think it's his best one. I rather prefer his autumn shoot. You know, Ursipper in office? The suit's dignified and tasteful, but still sexy, and the smoldering way he looks at the camera? Oh, just absolute passion. I won't deny that he looks good, but you really can't pull that look off without a personal tailor and a fortune in designer clothing. Definitely, though, if I ever make it, that's gonna be how I dress. Well, if you come by my house at the end of the school year, I got like two or three personal tailors I'm not using right now. You can just have mine. Robert cuts in. Well, this is all a lot of information to take in that should really make me question my friendship to Zelferpolis, and maybe even worry about my personal safety. But to be honest, I wouldn't be where I am today if I thought like that. So let's talk about something cool. Griffins. Man, Robert, that, that really... You really suck. Yeah, we were having a pleasant conversation about how much we like that guy that killed you, and who's probably going to kill you again. Not everything has to be about you, Robert. No, listen, see, you guys are probably all familiar with Snargball. You know, everyone plays rugby, but overhead, two guys fight to the death while riding griffins, and whichever griffin rider defeats the other one wins the whole game. Yes, everyone is familiar with Snargball. It's the most popular sport in the entire nation, Robert. Well, I had a friend whose parents wouldn't let him watch Snargball. How am I supposed to know? Anyway, point is, they have griffin stables here at Dorptoads, and I'm going to ride a griffin, even though we're not allowed. But you're not allowed. The elevator comes to a stop and Robert hops off. I don't care. I'm going to go and have a great big griffin adventure right now. Then he runs off and his friends Zelferpolis and Donald chase after. Oh no. Oh, it's happening. Someone's doing the thing. I was having a lovely conversation and making a new friend. This griffin thing has ruined everything. I hate that kid. We have to tell a teacher. I absolutely agree, Elvis. It's time to tattle. There's only one place to go. The Trial of Office Hours. <laughs> <laughs>